He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And fellas, we have a great show. We're going to recap the Travelers and the Compliance Solutions Championship. And then, after that, we will get into our Rocket Mortgage Preview, which That week has already been crazy. Stay tuned and find out what's been going on up in Detroit. But, fellas, let's go ahead and talk about the Travelers. Keegan Bradley wins the elevated event at 23 under par. He shot two under in the final round. Uh, We'll get to that in a second. But he wins by three. Zach Blair finishes second along with Brian Harmon. Both guys tied for second at 20 under par and then tied for fourth place. You have big names like Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, and then Ches Reavy, who was up near the lead, seemed like all week, but then shoots one over par in the final round. Just couldn't get a putt to drop for one of the better putters on the PGA Tour, death taxes and Scotty Scheffler finishing in the top five without winning this season, fellas. Seems like it happens every week. But T-Dub, what did you see from Keegan Bradley this week? He putted it really, really nice, not just for his standards, but PGA Tour standards in the event gained 1.76 shots per round on the greens. Uh, Really impressive stuff. Now, it did get a little bit interesting. I'm pretty sure he had a six-shot lead going into 13, then makes bogey on 13, 14, and 16. Things got a little dicey, but ends up getting the job done, winning by three shots, like I said, over Zach Blair. And Zach Blair... Two seasons ago on the PGA Tour, he made $8,120. Last season, Zach Blair made a grand total of $0 on the PGA Tour. And on Sunday, Zach Blair made $1.78 million. Uh, Thank you, Elevated Event. Right, T-Dub? His bank account just got so much higher after that term. But that's one of the very few storylines that came from this elevated event, it's pretty, pretty lax days going on. So you had the Keegan Bradley, Ches Reavy going into the final round. I believe Keegan had a five shot lead over everyone else uh, who it was in third place. Patrick Cantlay, Ches Reavy was in second place, one back of him. But then on the front nine, Keegan comes on birdies three of the first six holes and Reavy shoots two over 37 on the front nine. What was one of the easier golf courses we saw all year. So at, at a certain point, it was Keegan's tournament to lose. Then he gets to have a six shot lead with six holes to play. And even the horrible uh, down the stretch that he had, he actually got very lucky on the par 3 16th, almost hit the ball into the water, somehow did not bounce back and stayed up on the rough and was able to make a lackadaisical bogey there. So I don't know what he he closed in with with a three-shot win. As Sam mentioned, he gained a lot of strokes putting. He gained over two shots approach. So his iron play and putting play was good. Everything else is off the tee and around the green was pretty average. But in all honesty, for it being the last elevated event before the playoffs and before the, uh, the Open Championship coming up, I feel like it was there was a lot missing from it, in my opinion. It could have been a lot better tournament, but congrats on Keegan on winning. It's just it wasn't the most entertaining tournament to watch by any stretch. 
pretty boring for an elevated event, and and I'm not sure they'll keep that as an elevated event. You know, Rory Bash, the golf course, says way too short. It's 6,800 yards for the for a tour pro. That is too short. You know, the neat thing about Zach Blair, we we have to kind of preference that he had a, a labrum that he had reconstructed. He torn it real bad, so he really didn't play. He was kind of on a medical. Uh, so that's how his that looked so bad. He he couldn't play dead when he made eight thousand because his labrum was all screwed up. And then he went and had that fixed. He, he it was pretty funny though. You know he built a golf course during that time, guys. I don't know if you know that he uh, found some land. I want to say South Carolina, but don't hold me to it. But he built a golf course during his uh, year and a half off, which is pretty cool. So was that a good golf tournament to watch? No, because I can honestly tell you, I didn't even watch him make those three bogeys. I thought the tournament was over the way Keegan was playing. Of course, my one and done, I got lambasted because uh, my buddy T-Dub sends me a message. says, hey, Stroman shot 500. And I went, yeah, cool. But then he shoots two over and misses the cut. And I went, well, <laughs> yeah, great. There you go. So uh, typical of my picks, they, uh, they look like they're going to be special, and then they're not. Yeah, you mentioned Rory. We'll get to him and his comments in a second, fellas. But to wrap up, Keegan Bradley. Keegan Bradley, after the round, said that he used the fact that he wasn't invited to the Delaware players meeting as motivation to improve. He said, quote, these guys don't think I'm a top player anymore. Since then... Fellas, he's won twice and has moved up all the way to seventh on the Ryder Cup standings for the United States team. I think that's probably the biggest story that comes out of this week is not only Wyndham Clark throwing the wrench into the Ryder Cup team for the U.S. at the U.S. Open, but Keegan Bradley now throwing another wrench into the Ryder Cup standings for the U.S., I mean, you would have to think that he would be a captain's pick if they picked right now after the last elevated event before the playoffs teed up. It's just another situation of there's going to be so many great Americans left off the team. It's not even going to be funny because, you, we, as you mentioned, Wyndham Clark, Keegan Bradley, two guys that about a month ago, we would have thought, okay, yeah, there's probably, they'll be around 14, 15, probably not going to make it. But how well they've been playing here recently. It's going to be really hard. Wyndham Clark's on second on the point, so they don't even have a choice there. Keegan's in seventh. If he can just play a little bit better, he could definitely pass Max Homa, who's in sixth right there. And I guarantee you right now, over the past the last couple of months, I'd damn sure rather have Keegan Bradley than Max Homa on my team. I don't think there's any doubt in the world about that. And it is funny that, that Keegan mentioned that the player, that that was the thing that motivated him was not being invited to that meeting. Because I, over the last few months, I don't, the last couple of years, I mean, I don't look at Keegan as an exceptionally great player as he is, but he's kind of just been a little bit quiet. He won the Zozo last last uh, October. He obviously won this week. He's had a lot of uh, top five finishes in there last year. And it just – if everyone looks at the putter and whenever he had to go away from the anchoring band, that really set his game back and his career back. And it really did because over the course of about a decade straight, about eight years, he, he was horrible with the putter, losing half a shot – average every round that it's hard to even stay on the PJ tour whenever you're putting that bad let alone be in contention and like for example in 2022 last year he had nine top 23 top fives so he, he had, we had definitely seen signs of improvement from Keegan but it is interesting Woody that something is like that which I, I would never have looked at a situation and said oh well that guy wasn't invited to that players meeting that really has to fire him up 
but it is something that makes a lot of sense, right? Someone who was a perennial Ryder Cup player, him and Phil were, were such a great team, and he was he wasn't quite the, the Patrick Reed Captain America figure, but he was definitely a highlight in a lot of uh, Americans really rooted for him. So it is interesting that, that something as significant as not being invited to one meeting could really have that much impact and make you want to play better, right, Woody? That shows you the egos, T-Dub. The egos are large on that PGA Tour, and he still felt like he was a world-class player, even though he wasn't at that time. We we got to mention one other player that threw a wrench into this, guys. Our buddy Justin Thomas had a good week. Yes, he, he did. Finally showed, he finally showed something, so you know what's now, funny? You know what's funny about that, Woody, is I thought you were going to say Ricky Fowler. That's how many guys deserve to probably be a Ryder Cup captain's well, pick. Well, again, I know that's what T-Dub said it best. We're going to leave some good players home. We are going to leave some good players home. I, Zach Johnson's job just keeps getting harder because if Justin Thomas would have kept playing like crap, guys, he would have not been a pick for me. He really wouldn't. We'll see what he does the rest of the year, but that was a big turnaround for him. Ricky has played solid all year. How do you not look at Ricky Fowler? I'm sorry. You know, he hasn't won yet. I know T-Dub, but he's played some really, really good golf. I would not want to be Zach Johnson, guys, in about two months, and he's going to have to pick six guys, um, and he's going to leave somebody home that's very, oh, I couldn't say that deserves it, but they do in a lot of ways. So, this this week is the start to me leading into the Open Championship and everything else. This next few weeks is going to be really, for me, I'm watching the Ryder Cup. Because after the playoffs, even even with the playoffs, after the Open Championship, I kind of look towards the Ryder Cup, guys. I know the playoffs are important, and that they are. But I look for the Ryder Cup. I look for who are we going to have on that team, and that's going to be a really tough decision for Zach Johnson, I think. I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. Yeah, and to kind of wrap up the Ryder Cup talk, fellas, If you, by the way, if you're listening out there, we recapped U.S. standings and the European standings very, very extensively on our last show. So go back and listen to that. Um, but one last thing on the Ryder Cup team, fellas, over the last 12 months, Scotty Scheffler has two worldwide wins. Wyndham Clark, two worldwide wins, including a major and an elevated event. Obviously, Scotty's wins were elevated events. And then you have Brooks Kepka worldwide wins. He has three of them. Uh, Shoffley, two. Homa, two. Cantlay, one. Spieth and Young both have zero. Burns has one, uh, and that was match play. Morikawa has zero. JT has zero. Dustin Johnson has two worldwide wins. Fowler, zero. Finau, four. Uh, And then now Bradley has two, including an elevated event. So when you just look at wins, and I know that's oversimplifying things, T-Dub, Bradley obviously deserves to be in. One thing that's making this a little bit, like Woody, for example, mentioned Justin Thomas right there, and that was something with him playing like he did last week. He, he shot even par in the first round and went 17 under his last three. I get that it's an easy, easier golf course, but that's still it's a pretty solid play. So unless something drastically changes, JT's more, 99% chance he's going to be on this team. But you look at guys like, like Cameron Young, for example. You mentioned him. He hasn't won. And since his seventh-place finish at the Masters back in April, he only has one finish that's inside the top 50, and that was the, the 32nd finish at the U.S. Open. So he has not been playing good golf by any stretch of the imagination. He was someone like Tony Finau, 
who won at the Mexico Open back at the end of April. And since then, he lost more than half a shot on the greens and sometimes lost upwards of a shot to two shots on the greens. Since that tournament, he's only made, uh, or since that time, he had a, t- a top 25 at the Wells Fargo, but since then, 72nd missed cut, 32nd, 45th. So, Fiendcamp's not playing that good. I mentioned Max Homa earlier, who's currently in the top six, but if he gets outside the top seven, I don't know, he's missed two cuts in a row. He had a, a top ten at the at the Charles Schwab down at Colonial, but he has not been playing good at all since the West Coast swing. I don't know what I was thinking picking him at the U.S. Open as one of my one-and-done picks, and that did not work out very well for me. But the more that we get to thinking about it, guys, for example, I'd rather have Ricky Fowler over all those guys right now. He's playing exceptional golf. I get that he hasn't been able to break through and win, but he has the skill sets. All he what's did this lead week, to he did was shoot a 60. 100%, and he's putting good, which one of the things I detailed in our last show is that you look at the likes of a Scotty Scheffler, Colin Moore, Cowell, Justin Thomas on this team. The U.S. team is going to be hard for some putting. They have not, they're traditionally not great putters, those players that I mentioned. So the guys who are usually good putters are going to have to step up. That's why I think someone like a Sam Burns is more than likely going to get paid because he's one of the top five putters in the game. So I don't know what he wants again. Maybe a Cam Young, Tony Finau, these guys, maybe a Max Toma can start playing a little bit better in the Open Championship and playoffs to solidify their spot. But right now, I think those guys need to be a little bit worried because they are not playing good golf whatsoever. Well, Cam Young, for sure. He has looked horrible this year for some reason. I don't know what's going on with him. I think I think what you got to always remember, if you're a captain, and let's put, let's put all of us in the captain's shoes for one minute, do you not go with the guy with the hot hand? Yeah, you almost have to, don't you guys? You got to go with who is playing the best golf at the time, we all know as golfers, you ebb and flow. And that's, that we can watch all through the years that that happens. So if you're the captain right now, I'm looking at who's got the hot hand as we speak. The guys you just talked about, Tony Finau, Cameron Young, they don't have a very hot hand. Max Homa, for that matter, doesn't have the hottest hand right now. So then you got to look at that makeup in the locker room. Uh, which guys get along the best, which guys might team up well. There's just a lot of questions out there. But the good news for Zach Johnson, it's going to be hard for him to screw it up too bad because you're talking about 15, 18 world-class players. You'll find help that can get it done. I was going to say, just to your point real quick, Woody, remember back in 2014 – we had a situation where Billy Horschel won, what, two or three straight events. He won the FedEx Cup, yeah. and the captain's picks had already been selected for the Ryder Cup. So one of the best players who would have been a top five probably pick wasn't even on the team. So we had to change the rules to make sure that we got players with the hot hand. That shows how important it is to make sure that all these players are great players. But if they get in a slump at the wrong time, like a lot of the guys we just mentioned are, and you have other guys who are just as comparable as a player but have a little bit better form, they 100% should be on the team, and that's why – Back a decade ago, now they changed the rules to make sure their captain's picks didn't get picked a month and a half before the tournament. Smart move, too. That was a great move on the United States' part because we had been getting our butts handed to us over and over and over again. It wasn't until Whistling Straits where we finally dominated the way we think the American team should do, judging from the talent we have. So all those were great ideas. Now, Zach Johnson just has to use that. That's my point. I don't think you go necessarily would say even a Justin Thomas if he backs back up and starts playing bad again I know I know he's 99% sure to get on but if he if he's not informed 
I just don't know why you pick guys that are not playing their best golf, especially because we're going over to their golf course, right? We're going into some hostile area right there. We better have the best 12 guys. So Zach's got to really think about this before he picks his team. Yeah, guys, to me, I think my 12 right now, and I'll let you guys give your 12 after this past week. Uh, obviously, you got the top six, Scheffler, Clark, Kepka, Shoffley, Homa, and Cantlay. My next six would be Spieth, Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, Keegan Bradley, and Sam Burns. You probably have to leave Finau and Young off just based off of recent form. Young obviously played nice at the match play, but his putter has not been hot this season, T-Dub, like you just mentioned. I do like Burns instead of Finau just for the match play aspect of it. Maybe I'm wrong. I agree. I think Sam Burns' putter is going to be one part of the difference in why he gets picked. So as of right now, my top six, the top six are what the point standing: Scheffler, Shoffley, Wyndham Clark, Brooks Koepka, Patrick Caitlin, Max Homa. I'm still a little skeptical on Max Homa. If he goes outside the top seven, he'll or the top six, he'll probably still will be picked. But I, I don't know. It's he's just playing not good golf right now. So I, I would be a little bit hesitant on him. But right now, he is in that top six, and I would go. Keegan, he's earned himself a spot right now. He's currently fifth in the FedEx Cup standings. So as of right now, he is in. Then I will go Speed, Sam Burns, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa. And then probably y'all shot, but I'm going to do it. I would pick Ricky Fowler on the team. So I would leave off the likes of uh, Cameron Young would be left off. Denny McCarthy would be left off. Kurt Kitsuyama, Harris English, Tony Fina would probably be the biggest name on there that is left off. So right now it seems like that I think that the closer we get to it, Woody, we'll be able to solidify and probably have 12 to 13 guys that are out there. But there is a chance that you just throw random names out there like a Sahithi Gala or even a Brian Harmon who finished second this last week. Let's just say he goes out and wins another event. Or Russell Henley, who's really high analytically, if he goes out and has a, a good chance. Or even some guy we're not even thinking of goes out and wins the Open like Wyndham Clark did with the U.S. Open. It's going to throw a major wrench in this. But at least right now, Woody, that would be my top 12. So, T-Dub, real quick, say say that one more time. Did you have JT on there? Because I did not. Yeah, I did, you, know, I, not, you had Dustin Johnson. Yeah, you. So that was the switch. You had I have JT, you have uh, DJ. Okay, yeah, gotcha. That's an interesting – you guys pick a very interesting – those two are interesting to pick from. Um, the only reason why I might go with Justin Thomas over Dustin Johnson is team camaraderie, okay? But Dustin Johnson gets along with all those guys also. So, of all those 12 that you guys mentioned, there's a couple in there. That's, that's, that's two, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas. Which one of those two do you pick? But I think you've – got to go with Ricky Fowler. I really do believe you got to put Ricky on that team. He just had too good a year. And a lot of people go, what? You know, the other guy that you mentioned, guys, is Jordan Speed. That's just a guy that you kind of don't know. Like, I used to play the guy all the time. He used to say, you can't count on me, but you can't count me out. And that's his beat is to me. So, uh, those 12, I'm, I'm about on the same page as you guys. I'd probably go with, I would probably go with, uh, Justin Thomas over DJ. I'd like I said for the team camaraderie, how good Justin Thomas gets along, unless Justin Thomas goes back into a pump. Then I'm going back to Dustin Johnson again. So I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe that Zach Johnson will pick Dustin Johnson. I just don't think he will. He's too far out of the mix and he, he still, there's still, I don't care what you say, there's some bad blood for those guys from live. Yeah, the guy that, to me, 
got hurt the most by this Keegan Bradley win is probably Tony Finau. Would you guys agree with that? Totally. I definitely, yeah, that, that, especially, yeah, Tony Finau, because he's going to have to start playing a lot better to be able to get to get that right. And then even like a Cam Young, I feel like that he's getting hurt by this as well. But at yeah. the end of the day, their bad play is what's hurting them more than, more than not. And, and you mentioned right now, if we're going to have a JT versus DJ debate, what it's not going to be out of the realm of possibility if DJ goes out and wins the British Open, and then what's going to happen to the rest of Stones in because it's thrown into that mess if that ends up being the case. Yeah. So there is well, an abundance amount of golf to still be played. I mean, imagine it, not just DJ. It, imagine if a Kurt Kitayama or a Sahit Thigalog went out and won the British Open, then you got real problems. Well, if any of those guys win the British Open, it's not a problem. They're in. They're in. Right. In I'm just saying that a it's guy, a problem for Zach Johnson. Major. Well, yeah, it, it does, but I, I still, when you win a major, you're on my team. I don't care where yeah. you come from. Right. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't care where you come from. He's on my team. If it's an American wins the British Open here in a couple of weeks, he's on my team. Yeah. No, you have to put him on the team. Uh, fellas, real quick, we got a Tiger Woods stat for you guys. Scotty Scheffler has been ranked number one in the world for a combined 40 weeks now. To catch Tiger's record of combined weeks at world number one, Scotty Scheffler needs to hold the top spot for another 12 years, four months, and three weeks. Sometimes we forget how damn good Tiger Woods was. Well, no, we don't. We we remember every day how good Tiger Woods is and was. Uh, there's not a doubt in my mind. No, 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 no. He was he was above everybody. That, he does not count. Put an asterisk by his name. Whenever you're looking at records like number one in the world and all the stats he's got for us, he don't count. Okay, he does not count. Quit counting. So so by that number, another twelve years. Scotty Scheffler is currently twenty seven years old. He he would have to be thirty nine years old. And stay number one that entire time to get to that mark. That would just—that's absolutely astonishing. I will say this though: if Scotty Scheffler could learn how to freaking putt, he would actually have a chance because his ball striking is superb. The fact that he's had so many top twelve finishes in a row and been absolutely atrocious with the putter is just paramount to how great of a ball striker he is. But but the uh, but the real thing you have to take from this is just the greatness of Tiger Woods, and it, it will never be matched for not just the rest of our lifetimes, but in my opinion, for the rest of, of all time. We can say a Traber one here. Nobody, nobody will ever hold the number one spot for as long as Tiger Woods ever again. I, okay, I don't, that's a Traberism. Yeah. I, I don't and think that's some close, Traberism. I, I don't even think that's a Traberism, fellas. I think that that's just a fact. Like, that's an that's absolute fact. fact that no yeah. one will ever do that again. Um, well, Tiger wasn't ever going to win a major again is what I'm going with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 2019 proved that wrong. Yeah, but right. I nobody see what you're saying. will ever touch that. No, but yeah, no one's ever, ever touching that, that one. That. I totally they agree with you that. on that, Woody. Um, yeah. Fellas, to wrap up the Travelers, Rory McIlroy called TPC River Highlands obsolete in today's game. He said, quote, when we come to courses like this, they just don't present the challenge that they used to. Um, look, this was a birdie fest, but back on March 6th, we heard Rory talking about, quote, the leads changing hands with guys making bogeys, not really birdies. So don't know how people find that entertainment value. 
the guy's talking out of both sides of his mouth, and I just think it's interesting, T-Dub, that Rory is literally, literally, when we talked about Rory being the only player to defend Jay Monahan, Rory's also the only player that I've heard that is a big-time elite player right now that thinks that they should roll the golf ball back. I don't understand why Rory is the only guy in favor of rolling the ball back. You would have thought there would have been a few more that are. It's because everyone thinks that dialing the ball back is going to bring more players into it. It's going to do the exact opposite. It's going to make Rory stand out so much more above the crowd. It's not even funny. So that's really the reason that he wants to do it. But the reason that a lot of play, a lot of the top elite players don't like a course like this, I remember John Rahm was ripping the course that they hold, the uh, one of the courses they hold the Bob Hope at in, the, in their little pro-am rotation out there. It's because when the course is so easy, it just turns into a putting contest. Because everyone's going to put it out there in the fairway, or at least close to it. Everyone's going to get up there on the green or around it. And it just, what it does is it takes, I'm not going to say it takes skill out of it by any stretch, but there's a lot less imagination you need, especially in comparison to the last, or a, a couple weeks ago at the U.S. Open, where, where conditions are harder, you have to land your ball, learn how to play slow, things like that. Of course, like this, you're just flying it down there as far as you can. You're hitting, you're essentially aiming at every flag because it's so soft. You can have a five iron in your hand and the ball's still not going to run out too far. Then it turns into, can you make your 10 or 15 footers to be able to, to make that jump? And that's where Keegan Bradley was really able to uh, to separate themselves, at least from the rest of the field. So I don't know, what you played on the PJ Tour. She can probably attest to this a lot better than, than we can, but the, the, I can definitely understand why elite players don't want to play an easier golf course, why they'd want to play a harder one. But at the same time, everyone's playing the same track, and if you're a better golfer, you should be able to go out and beat everyone. That's at least the way I look at it. Well, I, yeah, I, I like I like a golf course that, that allows them to go low, but this was a little too low. Uh, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's the cool thing about golf. We play a lot of weeks. It's okay to have a week now and then where everybody shoots really low. And typical of Rory, if Rory doesn't act like it, he complains. You know what I mean? He Rory reminds me of a, a, of a kid with a silver spoon in his mouth that doesn't always get his way. Then he goes, he, he, cry foul you know what i mean i don't know with each passing week rory i, I wish rory would just play the european tour and go away I, i'm just such a non-rory fan now there's nothing about the guy that i enjoy it, it just seems like when he doesn't have a good week he takes away from the tournament with something whether it be outside news from the game of golf or you know talking about the golf course it just seems like Rory has to find some excuse for why Rory McIlroy didn't win the tournament, T-Dub, and it's getting old. Um, but I do think it's interesting that he is the only player that is in favor of rolling the golf ball back. I don't necessarily have a problem with the winner being 23 under on an easy golf course like TPC River Highlands, easy compared to you know what we've seen. Give the guys a break after playing in the U.S. Open. Let them go make some birdies. I find it entertaining. The only reason why it wasn't entertaining is because Keegan Bradley made it not entertaining by playing great golf, T-Dub. Well, we've seen countless tournaments where you could have five or six guys that 25, 26 under, at least in the 20s under, and they're shooting it out, and they would make it for a lot better competition. So, yeah, I completely agree with you on that aspect of it's not necessarily the score that, that is going to do it. It's the amount of players in the lead that is there. So, yeah, that, that really had a lot to do with it. It was a combination of factors that led to it not being extremely entertaining tournament. But what Rory has to really watch out for is, is that I've been detailing, or we've been detailing for the last few weeks now, how bad his final round scoring average has been. He's down. In, he was down into like the 130s on the PJ Tour and final round scoring before this tournament. 
And what do you know, guys? He's out of contention. He shoots a 64, 6 under and plays fabulous in the final round. It's, it's mind-boggling to me how different it is when Rory McIlroy is in contention versus when he's not. I understand why it is. It's just it's an entirely mental thing. But for someone who wants to be known as one of the greatest golfers of all time, Woody, you can't be doing shit like this. You can't be shooting over par or making one birdie in the final round of a major championship when you have a lead and end up losing by one and then come out the next week when you're out of the tournament and shoot 64 in the final round. He just That has to, at some point, just start to piss him off and he has to need to sit down and realize, why is this happening? And it is like clockwork every single time with Rory, every time. He's just not that guy that everybody wants him to be, okay? I mean, he's done all the PR stuff to make everybody think he's all that in a bucket of chicken. But, Jude, let me tell you something. You give me Scotty Scheffler or you give me Rory McIlroy, there's no decision. I don't care if Scotty Scheffler's putting with his pitching wedge, okay? I'll take Scotty Scheffler over Rory McIlroy any time. And as far as the rollback goes, Sam, He's the only guy, okay? You've said it best. He's the only guy that wants to roll back. Why? I don't know. Just to be different, probably, as much as anything else. But it, it's still not possible to do this rollback. We, we've gone over this. There's so much going on out there that you'd have to change with this rollback. I, I just don't see it. When they got rid of anchored putters, that was not something that was as difficult to do as rolling the ball back. I just can't see how they can roll the ball back. Yeah, and when you roll the ball back, guys are going to have to have different clubs for different, you know, balls, obviously, right? Uh, you know, which will trickle down and make, you know, college players have two sets of clubs. You're going to have to make, you know, when are you going to draw the line in high school or in junior golf? Like, I mean, I don't understand how you could make it work with all the gray area that would happen. And then if you have either major championships with a different ball. That just sounds kind of rinky-dink to me just to make some of these golf courses look, you know, better than they are, T-Dub. I mean, obviously, the players are better. I think that that is one thing that gets overshadowed. People are always like, oh, it's the technology. Well, the players are definitely better than they have ever been, especially the amount of players that the elite level there's more of them than there's ever been in the history of golf you're going to get low scores sometimes like we talked about at the u.s open the number doesn't bother me it's it's the fact that are you rewarding good shots and punishing bad shots if it's eight under instead of two under that doesn't bother me t-dub in major championships generally no it doesn't no when you have situations like we did a few years ago at aaron hills for u.s open where guys are winning at 16 17 under Things like that. I'm not not a big fan of that proponent, but this is just to me the, the just talking about the ball back thing. It's a classic example of oh well, we see a problem, which, which the problem in this case is some golf courses are, as Rory said, becoming quote obsolete, and so we think okay, well we need to change that. We need to make sure these golf courses aren't obsolete. And the way I look at it is that how many? What are there? Forty tournaments on the PGA Tour schedule. And how many of them, you want to include the elevated ones, so let's just say 15, let's just do 20, just for roughly a second. You're telling me we can't find 20 golf courses, in, especially now with this being this merger and being a global tour, we can't find 20 golf courses in the entire world that can stand up to this to a new golf ball and that can 
play tough if we grow the rough out, narrow the fairways, make the green firm? We can't find 20 golf courses watch, with sponsors who want to hold that tournament? Hey, that, watch, that's what pisses me off about it. Watch Valderrama this week. It's going to play a whole lot harder than TPC River Highlands did. And, fellas, that's a great point, T-Dub, is if you go back through the toughest tournaments over the past 10 years, what have they been? They've been U.S. Opens at places like Olympic Club and Marion and Shinnecock, which aren't the longest golf courses in the world. You narrow the fairways and you make the rough longer and you make the greens firm and fast. That's how to make golf courses hard. That's how it's always been. One of my friends mentioned this to me, said that one of the reasons that golf courses don't do that, for example, a member-ran club, doesn't want to necessarily make their course extremely difficult because that's what he said. He said the members will get pissed off and don't want to do it. But then if the members don't want it, then go find another course. That's the way I look at it. It's a PGA freaking tour. You can't find 20 golf courses. Yeah, and all you have to do, you have to find a course that wants to host it and a sponsor who want to do it. That's the only combination you need. And yes, I get that, the, for example, the Travelers has been a long, long host spot. And that should, there should always be a PGA Tour tournament there. There's no doubt. Should it be an elevated event? I, I'm not sure about that. That could be something down the road. And if you're going to have elevated events that rotate, so be it. But, but to me, Woody, it's all about the course selection. And they're looking at something as drastic as changing the golf ball, which is, it, it, as we alluded to a thousand times, there's so much, so much gray area and so many things that they do have not figured out on exactly where to draw the line in the sand on this. And, they're going to try to do it to come out in two years or two and a half years to get this done. There's no chance now that it's going to be successful. And it, the thing that worries me is that it could potentially ruin golf at a certain point. Whenever all we had to do, just go to a different venues. If that's really going to be your big concern, if you're so worried about making a score doesn't get to 15 under, for example, look at, look at what happened at Bay Hill or any of these other courses. If the wind blows up, you're not going to get a score of, of more than double digits under par. So if you roll the ball back on a hard golf course in hard conditions, what, you want the guys to be winning at five or six over? What do you just seems absolutely ludicrous to me? Well, no, you don't. And and all we got to do is look at what happened to Oak Tree National when they went from bent greens to Bermuda greens. Well, the firmness of the greens changed the golf course by five to six, seven shots. So the TPC is the problem you got because these are home, golf courses owned by the PGA Tour. So they kind of want to keep these golf tournaments at these locations. TPC golf courses were built for membership. Okay, they're built for the members to play them. Okay, so there's a lot of factors going in, but rolling the ball back is probably not the best idea. Sam, you hit on something that's really important to keep in mind. Golf's changing. It's changed. It changed a lot with Tiger Woods. It's changing now. Guys, if if kids out there today start looking and seeing that a golfer's making twenty, thirty, forty million dollars a year which we could see with the uh, Saudis getting involved. We don't know what's going to happen there. Do you think you're going to get better athletes? Well, heck yeah, you're going to get better athletes. You're going to get guys that used to play baseball or basketball or football that says, you know what, I might want to do this. The other day I was working with the Carl Albert team, and there was a young man there that was a ninth grader. He'd only been playing golf for three years. He likes baseball, but he has a great little golf swing. And I asked him point blank, I said, when you're my age, would you think you could still play baseball? And he kind of looked at me with this dumb look on his eyes, <laughs> and I, I knew what he was trying to process what I just said. And he goes, no, I probably wouldn't, would I? And I said, well, I'm just bringing up things that you might want to look further down the road. I've, I've been there. I've done it. So 
do you think you're a good baseball player? And he goes, yeah, I'm a good baseball player. I said, how many home runs have you hit? And he goes, none. I said, how many errors do you make? He says, well, I make quite a few errors. I said, then, son, you're not a very good baseball player. Okay, <laughs> you might want to look at something else. Okay. So, you know, every once in a while, you got to have a reality check. You got to hit them right between the eyes. Okay. Now, this kid walked away going, heck. And then not, not five hours later, I get a text from his dad telling him, thank you so much for what you said to my son. Would you be interested in teaching him? So, you know, one of those things like that. But, but guys, we're going to get better athletes. You Don't you guys agree with me? Don't you think golf is just going to keep growing because of the money? Yeah. It, it has to. 100%. The whole point is it already has grown into the fact that we have more elite players now than we've ever had. We gave the stat of Tiger being number one. Obviously, I feel like Tiger still would have been number one, but I'm saying the depth of the elite players is, is deeper than it's ever been, fellas. We could talk about that for hours, but we need to hit a break here on the 73rd Hole Podcast. If you are not already subscribed to the podcast, hit that follow button on Apple and the subscribe button on Spotify. It's absolutely free and it will just help us out and give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode. Our social media is also at the 73rd hole on Twitter and at 73rd hole on Instagram. After the break, we'll be back. We'll talk the Compliance Solutions Championship, which was the Corn Ferry event out at Jimmy Austin. We'll let you know who won that. Then get into our live and PGA Tour previews right here after the break on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole Podcast. Hey everyone, T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at mccrayroofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Back here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Speaking of Golf Oklahoma, you can read all about local golf here in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, We had an OSU Cowboy get a win, former Edmund North star. Jordan Wilson wins the Railer, which is the Kansas Stroke Play Championship up at Sand Creek Station, one of the better courses in this area. Congrats to Jordan Wilson on the win at the Railer. Definitely one of my favorite tournaments back in the day playing amateur golf uh, during the summertime, fellas. And then, obviously, you can read about the Compliance Solutions championship where Jimmy Stanger gets the win by one shot over Rafael Campos. Fellas, he hit his second shot on 18. If you know Jimmy Austin, uh, by the way, we got 
a winner named Jimmy at Jimmy, which is awesome, by the way. Uh, but Jimmy Stanger hits his second shot over the green, barely in the rough. He hit a putt from barely in, in the rough over the green on 18 for Eagle, hit it, hit his putt to about three and a half feet and makes it for the birdie to win the golf tournament, shoot six under in the final round to win by one shot, like I said, over Rafael Campos. Uh, Jimmy Stanger is one of those guys who had a ton of talent back in 2017, was the ACC Player of the Year, went to Virginia. He's 28 years old, turned pro, like I said, in 2017. Uh, scoring average on the Corn Ferry Tour, 69.2. Fellas, he ranked 29th in uh, the Corn Ferry standings headed into that week. And, and fellas, he had one top 10 finish. He had, had like over, I think, 100 starts on the Corn Ferry Tour and finally gets his first Corn Ferry Tour victory, which will put him in line to get a PGA Tour card headed into next year. A uh, big-time win for Jimmy Stanger, T-Dub. 100% it was. You mentioned him moving up to fifth in the Corn Ferry standings, top 30 will get their PGA Tour card. So I don't see a really a universe where him being fifth now, he could move outside of that. So really congratulations to Jimmy at Jimmy on that front. You, you look at how well he's been playing going in, up into this event. He kind of been doing kind of what Ricky Fowler's doing on the PGA Tour. You look at since April on the, on the Corn Ferry, 15th, 22nd, 11th, 22nd, 10th, 11th, and then had a 30th in there. But had not missed a cut in three months or so. And had just been playing so extremely steady. Had not been able to break through until this week. But it definitely been showing signs of some good play. So, yeah, congratulations to Jimmy on more than likely solidifying his PJ Tour card for next year. You look at it. Who was the uh, – was I believe Chris Goddard up. Uh, tied for 21st at 13 under was the high Oklahoman in the tournament. So, and congratulations Brendan, to him. I Brendan know – Jelly as well. They both tied at 13 under, tied for 21st. Okay, yes, yeah. Brendan Jelly was down there as well. Brendan was actually leading the Oklahomans going into the final round and uh, was able to – didn't have his best death shot at even par 72. In the final round, got up shot a two under seventy in the final round. So I don't know what he. As much as we would have liked to have seen uh, some Oklahomans go out and, and potentially win this tournament or at least contend for it, there's just so many great guys out there. We were talking uh, during the break about just how low these guys were scoring. You, you have four par fives and two drivable par fours, so that kind of distracts from the number just a little bit. But still, the cut was five under par to get to the weekend. That that's definitely telling. And then twenty two being uh, twenty two under par being the winning score. With uh, you, if you shot ten under par for four rounds, they got you forty first. That's not a very high finish, and you would think that ten under would get you a little bit better than that. So I don't know what it's. A, it's a clear sign that there's just so many great players out there that uh, they, there's a lot of guys that were in this tournament who are going to be very successful in the PGA Tour in the next couple of years. I guess the only way Jimmy Austin, uh, well, it's like any golf course in Oklahoma, the only way they have teeth is wind. And we usually have it, and they didn't. And it was basically weather because we had rain and they got late tea times. Greens were soft. Uh, maybe you could turn a couple of those par fives into really kind of 500-yard par fours. I don't know if they teed them up in a different place and maybe make it a par 70. But you're not going to stop them. Sam said it best when we were off the air, and he said, uh, hey, you get no wind in soft greens. Uh, these guys are going to tear it up. And we've tried to tell people these are really, really, really good players. Well, if, if 22 under doesn't tell you they're really good players, I don't know what does. So it was a good week. I did send a message to Tyler late that Sunday night. I said, you tired? And he said, yep, laying by my pool, and I'm going to sleep for about 12 hours. 
So it was uh, it was a good week. Uh, I think the golf course they shot it low, but the golf course showed really well. It was in great condition. So uh, kudos to all those guys down there that put that golf tournament on. We got uh, well, we got four more years down there. So uh, we'll see what happens the next year. Yeah, no doubt about it. Like you said, Woody, you can't hide the pens from these guys when they get you know late tee times. There was one day where it rained all day and they had tee times at like 6 p.m. with a soft golf course and no wind. You're just going to get low scores. That's what you're going to get. I don't care how hard the golf course is. Um, it was a very successful week for Jimmy Austin. I would have liked to see the Oklahoma guys play a little bit better, but it was a little bit of bad luck. You did have some some of those guys play in the wind on Thursday, um, and, and so maybe a little bit of the draw and a little bit of just bad luck. I mean, you had Bo Van Pelt, Josh Creel, Quade Cummins, Martin Flores, and Chris Ventura all missed the cut by one shot at four under par. Then you had guys, by the way, uh, Rian Gibson made the cut. He finished eight under, tied for 53rd. Patrick Welch, the cross-handed bandit, uh, he finished at seven under, tied for 58th. Those were your other two out of the four guys from Oklahoma to make the cut but yeah there's going to be an Oklahoma guy in contention within the next five years I guarantee that that will happen and and definitely a huge successful week to Tyler Woodward and the crew at Jimmy Austin T-Dub. It was great it was beautiful to see anytime we can get professional golf in this state it's truly great last year or actually the last two years ago we had the senior PGA championship in our state at Southern Hills the next year we had the PGA championship at Southern when we also had the Live Tournament this year in May at Cedar Ridge, and now we've got the Corn, uh, Corn Ferry Tournament in Norman. It's beautiful to see that finally, Woody, that Oklahoma, it seems like it's starting to get the recognition for, for golf that it deserves because everyone in the state is so passionate about the game, and it truly is a beautiful thing to see, and I'm just glad that the best players in the game of golf are finally starting to come to our state to play some competitive tournaments. Oh, I think anytime you have pro golf in Oklahoma, it's good. And and we always talk about Southern Hills and Oak Tree are the two golf courses that people come to for for events. Usually they're majors. Uh, but Jimmy Austin showed very well. It proves that we got golf courses all over this state that are very easily able to handle professional golf. So, and I don't know about the crowds down there. I didn't hear any big numbers, but. Uh, with each passing year, I think more and more people will come to that corn ferry and watch it because of the caliber of the player. And they should, because those guys are one hot week away from being on the PGA Tour, like we saw this week with Jimmy winning at Jimmy. Fellas, let's dive into, speaking of the PGA Tour, the PGA Tour is going to Detroit Country Club for the Rocket Mortgage before we get to the golf, fellas, I don't know if you saw this, but they had a huge storm with high winds come through uh, two days ago, three days ago now, and it knocked over some massive trees, similar to kind of what we saw at Augusta National, except these trees were not just planted this year. Uh, these trees have been there for like hundreds of years and fell right across uh, one of the fairways out there in Detroit, T-Dub, uh, that looked like a massive cleanup situation. If they got all of that figured out, uh, luckily it happened, you know, earlier on in the week instead of like on a Wednesday night because I don't know if they could have played with a giant tree literally blocking the fairway. Normally, most of the time, whenever you have a tournament that can that happens a few months after the Masters, you would say, well, if something happened at the Masters and it happens in our tournament, it's probably, probably going to be a good thing. 
this is maybe the one situation where you do not want to be like Augusta National. Anyone who remembers the seven, on the 17th hole, a huge tree fell over. Luckily, didn't kill anyone. And at, at this point, I don't think there was as many people on the golf course when this tree fell, so that was a good deal. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be an expensive cleanup. I thought those guys are going to do such a great job in getting that done. It'll probably I don't think it'll happen as fast as it did at Augusta National with us not even knowing that tree ever existed at that point. But, but no, Woody, it's, it's pretty interesting whenever you see uh, what can happen just – we forget these golf courses are in nature, and this stuff happens all the time in random forces and things like that. It just It's a lot more polarizing when you have 18 world-class golf holes uh, spread out in the middle of it. Well, one thing for sure we've learned, don't mess with God. Because God doesn't care if it's Augusta or the Rocket Mortgage. Uh, when he wants to make something happen, he can make something happen. I always feel sorry in these situations because I'll tell you guys point blank, I was a head golf professional and director of golf for years. That's not the most important guy on a golf course. The most important guy at a golf course is the superintendent. Because let me tell you something, I don't give a crap how good your golf pro or golf director is, your general manager. If the golf course is not in good shape, nobody wants to come to it. That relies strictly on the superintendent to make the golf course good. So I'm I'm giving a plug to the superintendents out there because I know how important they are at making the golf course good. When you have a situation like that, this poor guy, he has worked his fanny off to get that golf course prepared for this golf tournament. Then two days before it gets ready to start, he gets a windstorm that just completely changes his whole dynamics. And, and TW said it best. He doesn't have the wear for all that Augusta National does. <laughs> they took that tree down, out, gone, probably in about three hours, okay? This guy doesn't have that kind of staff. So um, I hope that gentleman gets his golf course back to where it was decent so they have a good week. Um, this is another one of those golf tournaments a lot of us don't watch that much. We're leaning into the 4th of July weekend, people going to the lake, people doing a lot of things that they don't really watch golf right now. This is a golf course that Tony Finau plays good, guys. So he won there last year, if I'm not mistaken. And he will probably be thinking to himself, hey, I'm, I'm working my way off that Ryder Cup team. i got to do something. So it'll be interesting to see what Tony Finau does this week. But I think this golf course will get it in good shape. It's, a, it's an okay golf course. It's nothing to write home about. Uh, but they'll get it in good shape. No, get it played, and we'll just have to see who plays good this week. No doubt about it. Woody with the quote of the year, God does not care whether it's Augusta National or the Rocket Mortgage. I did not think I was going to hear that on today's show. But like you said, Woody, you're exactly correct. Tony Finau did win the Rocket Mortgage last year over Patrick Cantlay, Taylor Pendrith, and Cam Young. Uh, in 2021, you had Cam Davis win. Back in 2020, you had the battle between Bryson and Matthew Wolf. Uh, and then in 2019, you had Nate Lashley and Doc Redman. Uh, T-Dub, this is one of those golf courses where the winning score is going to be extremely low. Like last year, Tony Finau shot 26 under. Uh, even Cam Davis shot 18 under Bryson shot 23 under Nate Lashley shot 25 under the winning score is going to be extremely low and when I look at the top five favorites this week we do have some big names in this non-elevated event Uh, I'm gonna go top eight for you this week T-Dub I think there's eight 
big, big names in this golf tournament. You got Ricky Fowler as your analytical favorite on Data Golf with a 6% chance to win the golf tournament, 80% chance to make the cut. Ricky Fowler is your favorite this week in Detroit. You have Tony Finau, Colin Morikawa, Sung JM, Hideki Matsuyama, Max Homa, Justin Thomas, and Keegan Bradley. T-Dub, does the winner come out of those eight guys? Well, my one-and-done pick is in those picks, so I sure as hell hope that that it is that it will be the case. I will say that the scores are going to be exceptionally low, as you alluded to. I don't think this course goes over 7,000 yards, if I'm not mistaken. It's a Donald Ross design. They've only played this tournament for, I believe, this will be the fifth edition of it. So there's not an abundance amount of course history. You look at the guys, as you alluded to, that were one, you would think Bryson, uh, Bryson, Cam Davis, Tony Fina all hit the ball pretty far. So it's probably a bomber's paradise with someone like Nate Lashley who won by six shots. In fact, and Nate Lashley does not hit the ball very far at all. So it, it, there's, it, this is one of those courses very similar to last week where with it being a little bit easier, it's going to bring a lot more people into it. So if I was just looking on paper, I might say, well, I'll go ahead and take someone out of those guys. But Woody, my one-and-done pick will be in there. Y'all probably be shocked with who I am picking, but uh, I sure hope that is the case. And I'm pretty pretty fascinated with some of the big names that are playing. And it is interesting that Tony Finau is a defending champion, so he was going to play anyway. But JT's playing, Max Holmes playing, which are all guys that we talked about in the first segment who need to get some repetitions and get their game figured out to make sure that they're going to be on that Ryder Cup team. So I'm just like you, Woody. At this point in the stage of the game, the Open Championship will, will sort of take away from it that week. But at least at this point, for these next two to three months, I am almost got my eyes solely set on the Ryder Cup and what these tournaments mean for that event. Well, I think you're seeing Justin Thomas play for sure. I, I kind of worry about Ricky. Ricky just keeps playing and playing. I, I love how he's playing, but I, I worry that he's going to have to take a week off, and I'm sure that's what these guys are doing. They're going to play this week. It's a pretty easy golf course. Get your confidence. That's big for Justin Thomas right now to have another good week and making a lot of birdies. Get his confidence going. And that that we don't talk about that enough in golf where a guy – can flip a switch, and if that confidence goes the other way, instead of being bad to good, uh, it's amazing what they can do. So I look, I look at these guys, and I don't know about that top eight. Um, I really like Fowler to win. I really do. So uh, he would be somebody I'd look at because he's going to play one more week, and then I'm sure he's going to take a week off before he goes to the Open Championship. I don't know. We'll see. It's it's a it's a crapshoot on this, guys, because we know people can come from anywhere. Nate Lashley was probably not in the top eight the year he won it. So um, we'll we'll just see what you guys pick, and I'll be uh, waiting with uh, bated breath to hear who you guys think is going to win this week. Well, fellas, if I take you back to 2020, like I said. Bryson was battling Matthew Wolf. Matthew Wolf's roommate in college, Austin Ekro. Austin Ekro has not missed a cut on the PGA Tour in a stroke play individual event since the Valero Texas Open and the tournament before the Valero, he finished solo fifth. Austin Ekro is figuring something out, especially on the greens, has gained shots on the greens four out of his last five events, fellas, and he is striping the irons. Now, he didn't hit the irons great last week at the Travelers, but he still finished tied for 24th, obviously finished tied for 10th at the U.S. Open, did have the tied for second at the Byron Nelson 
this tournament, it seems like it goes one winner that everybody knows, household name, and then one winner like a Nate Lashley, right? And it's only been going on for, what'd you say, five years, T-Dub? So my point is, is that Tony Finau won last year, the year before that, Cam Davis. Maybe this is the time for Austin Eckrote to break through on a course where you're going to have to go low. And I know that Austin Eckrode is one of those guys out there that is not scared to shoot a really, really low number. He can go out there and he can shoot a 75, but he can also go out there and shoot a 60. That's just the type of guy that Austin Eckrode is. And I I don't know when else I would use him in the one-and-done T-dub, so that is going to be my one-and-done pick for this week. So I can save some of the name, bigger names like Akala Morikawa, uh, Hideki Matsuyama, for the playoffs that I still have left in my rotation for the one-and-done. So I am going with Austin Eckrote for my one-and-done pick this week, and I would not be surprised if he was holding the trophy on Sunday. I think it's a very solid pick, and he's very similar to what he did last year on the Corn Fairy Tour. This is the type of this is the time of year where he starts to play some really good golf. He's currently fifty seventh in the FedEx Cup standings. To get in the top, if you get in the top seventy, because this year they changed. It used to be the top one twenty five got to uh, the FedEx St. Jude Classic in Memphis, the first playoff event. But this year, only the top seventy get in. So him being there is going to be extremely important. If he can get inside the top fifty as well. That'll get him into the, the designated events for 2024. And obviously, top 30 will get into the Tour Championship. So there's a lot riding for our man, Austin Eckert. I think that's a very solid pick. I'm not going to run him out in the one-and-done, but I do think that he is going to have a very good week. My one-and-done pick, guys, probably going to be pretty shocked at this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I, I got to do a little bit of chasing. If he's going to win any tournament, it's going to be this one, where it's not an overly strong field, and he is the second-favorite analytic player, uh, Woody. Give me Ricky Fowler to get it done. Playing too good at golf. Rocket Mortgage champion. Ricky Fowler is coming in just a few days. You had to pick him eventually. Yeah, you did that simply because when he does win, you're going to get the bonus for it. And I like your pick. <laughs> I like, I, what did I just say a minute ago? I said Ricky Fowler would be a good one. And He's hedging pick. his bets, uh, Woody. He's hedging his bets. Now, I, I tell y'all what, big what, if Ricky ends up missing this cut, Y'all will never hear the end of it. I will never pick Ricky again for the rest of my life if he misses the cut this week. Never. Well, I, Not one time. I feel, I feel the same way about Rory McIlroy. I'll never pick Rory McIlroy to win another golf tournament as long as I live. I don't like him. I think he's a turd, and I'm not picking a turd, okay? I'm just not going to do it. But I, if you're doing it, I'm doing it. I'm going with Ricky Fowler, too. I think he's going to win this week. We're Let's all going with OSU Cowboys, fellas. Uh, yep, Cowboy up. Pistols are firing in Detroit. Pistols will be firing. <laughs> no doubt about it. I like those picks. Like we said, Tony Finau, the defending champion, is the second analytical favorite. Uh, T-Dub, let's dive into him for just a couple seconds. Um, Tony Finau, like we said, has won four times in the past 12 months, but recently has been really struggling what's he struggling with t-dub and obviously this week is so big for him for the Ryder cup what things does he need to improve on this week to have a good week oh, it's been his putter for sure his putter's been absolutely atrocious ever since that win back at the mexico open he's lost uh, he's played five tournaments since then lost half a stroke putting lost a full shot putting lost two and a half shots putting lost half a shot and lost 0.6 strokes he, he's his putting's been horrible the only thing that's really even keeping him around is that his uh, his around the green game his short his uh, chipping has been absolutely superb comparatively to what it's been the rest of his career his iron game 
It's been a little bit more streakier than it has been. And off the tee, it's been streakier, too. So, really, his, besides his chipping, he's been very streaky. And if you're going to want to pick Tony Fino for a Ryder Cup team, you need to think that at least two of the four things that he's usually pretty good at are, are going to be there. And right now, it just seems like that he's been a little bit streaky. But you look at it, he didn't win here last year and at um, in Detroit. He did finish 53rd, the only other time that he's played here. So, he's two for two on cuts made. Last year at this tournament, he did gain more than a shot putting but this was also during a stretch where last year he was putting great every single time so it's hard to tell if he just really if he likes these greens or if it was just a time where he had it rolling with his putter because let's not forget last year he won the 3m classic and he won the uh, rocket mortgage classic back-to-back and then just a couple months later he won at the in the houston open so he went through and in particularly great stretch of golf has not been playing that good since then did beat john ron down in mexico as we alluded to earlier but still since then that putter what he has just been absolutely horrible and can you get it fixed at any time? Yes. And if he doesn't get the putter rolling, he should probably be a pick for that Ryder Cup. But at least right now, he's uh, he's right on the 12 to 13 to 14 range. So these, these next couple weeks for Tony Fina, I'm tickling. Extremely, extremely important. And then, Woody, I want to ask you about one of these Oklahoma guys that got off to a hot start earlier on in the year, won the Valspar. That is Taylor Moore, who is a friend of the show from Edmond, Oklahoma, played his college golf at Arkansas, but he's going through a little bit of a slump. Uh, Woody has missed his last three cuts at the Charles Schwab, then the U.S. Open, then the Travelers, kind of struggling on the greens. Uh, What advice would you give to Taylor Moore to kind of get out of the slump and, and back to that elite golf that he was playing in the middle of the year? That's a tough one, Sam, because he's worked. he worked so hard to get that first win, and you get a letdown after you win one. I didn't win one, so I don't know exactly, but you can get a letdown going, uh, and, and he's just got to kind of go back to his basics, and he's going to be fine. You know, the difference in this golf tournament coming this week, guys, it's kind of interesting. You talked about Austin, and you talked about Taylor. Those guys really aren't playing for a Ryder Cup. They're playing to get in that top 50 that you were just talking about. So. Both of them are totally capable of that easily. They got to go and just play their golf. Uh, Tony Finau, on the other hand, is now thinking, I might not be on this Ryder Cup team. I got to turn it around. I got to get the putting better. I got to get something going on where I can make somebody, especially Zach Johnson, think I'm worthy of that Ryder Cup pick. So these next few events are really kind of cool to watch because you've got so many different storylines. Taylor, Austin, trying to get in the top 50, Justin Thomas, Finau, uh, Ricky, these guys making sure Zach Johnson has them on his radar. So, well, crazy week this week and the week's coming up, but Taylor's going to be fine. He he doesn't need to hit any panic buttons or anything else. He just needs to kind of relax, go back to doing what he was doing when he won at Valspar, go back to just playing golf. He and Austin, just go out and do your thing. It'll work out for both of them. I really believe that. No doubt about it. Then a couple other names, Sepp Straka, Aaron Rye playing for Ryder Cup spots on the European side. Also, speaking of Europeans, you got Ludwig Aberg in the field this week. You also have uh, guys like Sam Stevens and Gordon Sargent in this event this week. If it's not one of those big names, T-Dub, who might it be? Well, very similar last week. I do think, as we were saying earlier, the easier course kind of opens it up. A little bit. You look at some guys at the analytics, like the analytics, pretty, like been on a lot. He's been playing some solid golf. Steven Yeager is another name who we mentioned who analytically he's, I believe, the, the ninth European that could be picked. He's a German player, so potentially he could be picked. The analytics are also high on JJ Spawn as well. So uh, those are just some guys that at the analytics, like you look at guys that have played 
this course well. My, my one and done pick last week, Tom Kim, who absolutely completely shit the bed on the weekend. He finished seventh last year in his only appearance. Taylor Moore, who we were just talking about, only played this tournament last year, and he finished sixth. So uh, those guys may be a chance to look out for. This is, uh, like we said, the, the Bombers have won three years in a row, so you would look at them to potentially have a chance. But you look at the rest of the course with it not being – overly long it can bring some more players into it but there are a, a full a few dog leg holes where if you are able to hit the ball high and far you can have a substantial advantage just because you can cut off so much distance so those are the some of the guys that uh, not just me but the analytics would, would say that'd be good and we're saying this right now i'm calling for lubbock aberg to be on the, the european Ryder cup team because I, I feel like that he's a he's more deserving of, of guys than than we've talked about so hopefully he can play good and earn himself a spot on there, which, I mean, as an American fan, might actually not like that because I prefer them to have the worst team possible. But as of, as far as who they should pick, I, I hope that he does earn his way onto that team. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a better name than some of those guys, uh, especially on that European points list. By the way, you brought up a fact that, you know, playing at the Rocket Mortgage previously, Austin Ekro, even though he's a rookie on the PGA Tour, did play in the 2021 Rocket Mortgage through a sponsor's invite. Now, he did miss the cut in that event, but it is some course knowledge that he hasn't had at other events uh, this year being a rookie on the PGA Tour. It's going to be really interesting interesting in Detroit fellas let's go ahead and transition to live and live has been on a little bit of a break or a lot of a break about a month since we saw live teed up at live DC after the PGA championship fellas and they are headed to one of the great courses in the world that is Valderrama in Spain as far as your favorites for this week at Live Valderrama or Live Spain. You have Cameron Smith, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Mito Pereira, and Sergio Garcia. Sergio calls Valderrama T Dub his favorite course in the world. Uh, Sergio's record at Valderrama, fellas. He finished seventh in 2019. He won in 2018. Won in 2017. Third in 2016. He won in 2011. Tenth. Fourth. 34th. Second. 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 Seventh. Seventh. Fifth. Seventh. This guy absolutely loves Valderrama. Uh, he's got to be my favorite headed into this week just based on his course history, T-Dub. It's very similar to when they played uh, in Singapore, right? He had traditional history at that course and Almost one loss in the playoff to, to our man TG out there. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a very, very similar situation this week with it being in Spain. The course is set up extremely well for him as well. Once again, another course that it's 6,390 meters, which adds up to being just a little less than 7,000 yards. So, once again, not an overly long golf course. A lot, I mean, a lot of placement holes out there. There's a decent amount of going to be some irons off the tee, some hybrids. Not going to be a whole lot of drivers cutting corners because you're just going to have to be extremely precise on this golf course. So I think that this is Woody, this is going to kind of be the opposite of what we've talked about with the, with the other courses. Like for example, we're going to have a rocket mortgage this week. I feel like the score, I haven't seen the weather for what Spain is going to be like, but I would assume that the scores are going to be generally higher just because this course just traditionally has played so tough. It hosted the, uh, the, the world golf championship American express um, a couple of times back in 99 and 2000. I believe tiger won one of those years. It hosted the, the Ryder cup in 97 which was actually the first ever uh, tournament held in the continental Europe. So that's a pretty interesting fact there. But no, I expect the scores of this tournament, Woody, to be a little bit higher than what we've seen on the PGA Tour the last, uh, or what was last week, and then what will more than likely be this week. Oh, for sure. And, and that 17th hole of Valderrama is always a classic hole to watch. 
how do you not pick Sergio because it's a home track for him too, meaning he's from Spain. And who knows? Now, here's a question, guys. A month off. Oh, I don't know what these guys have been doing the last month. I mean, how, how much prep work have they had? So that even moves more towards Sergio being my favorite to win this week, simply because he's probably been over there with his family and, and, and hanging out waiting for this tournament to come around. So uh, where the other guys, I don't think have been doing that. They, they've been at home and uh, what they've been doing, I have the foggiest idea. So you got to like Sergio in this one. They'll tee it up in round one on June 30th, which is Friday at 1.15 local time in Spain, and they are seven hours ahead. So it will be some morning golf if you want to catch Live on the CW app during the first day, and then it'll be on the CW network and also the Live app uh, all three days. Uh Fellas, like you said, it's going to be interesting. TG still in that top spot on the live standings, which it's going to get interesting headed into the team event at Trump Doral. And so I am really looking forward to seeing Taylor's game after not teeing it up at the U.S. Open. You would assume he is motivated headed into this week. Uh, You also have the storyline, T-Dub, of Matthew Wolf. He is going to be back on Team Smash uh, for Liv Valderrama after all of the uh, workout drama earlier on in the year. But T-Dub, just talking about Gooch having that top spot, do you think that DJ can catch him? And then also you have the uh, relegation part. I guess the last four guys, the, the 45, 46, 47, and 48, will get relegated. So that's another thing uh, to look forward to or look at this week uh, at Live Valderrama as we kind of close out this Live schedule. Yeah, yeah, the, the relegation thing I think is extremely, extremely uh, going to be intriguing because just as currently right now, because I do believe they, they stated that captains cannot be relegated, so that would come into play for some of this. For example, Martin Keimer's been hurt for the majority of this year. I believe he's only played in the last four live events. So like for uh, C1 Kim, who we talk about all the time, who his best finish on live this year is 43rd. So yeah, he's probably going to be relegated if I had to guess. Someone like, like James Pyatt, he would probably have a better chance. He's... Uh, second to last in the standings, but yet he's still a very young player, and we see young players struggle all the time whenever they come out on the PJ Tour, so maybe they'll give him a little bit extra leeway. Someone like Chase Kepka, that's going to be an interesting situation, because he's Brooks's brother, so you would think that he's probably going to stay on the team, but if you look at just the play, he probably has not earned uh, the right to be there. Then you have the situation of, well, we don't know how this is really going to work, because with this merger now, we're going to recruit more players over, so if we're going to kick four players out, we have to add four players, so what four players would be added to to the 48. So that's going to be something very interesting there. You look at, for example, the team competition of it, and uh, who's been the uh, the Team Torquay won the last tournament. They actually were the first team this year to win uh, to the, their second team event. The four aces currently lead it. They've, they finished sixth at D.C., which was their second worst finish of the year. Team Stinger's been playing pretty well. That's who we saw win up at Tulsa, and they finished second back there in D.C. So the team uh, aspect, as you mentioned, going into – uh, Trump Doral here in just a couple months. That's going to be very interesting. But our man TG does lead uh, the uh, the season-long player standings. He finished 15th at D.C., did not have his best stuff at Tulsa. We, we detailed countless times all the stuff that he had to go through that week with essentially hosting the tournament. So that was definitely a long week there. Brendan Grace has finished third and second the last two live events, so that's going to be very intriguing. So uh, once again, on this live deal, there's, there's a decent amount of golf to be played, Woody, and a lot of things could change between now and then, but uh, I sure hope that at least for 
for our viewership's sake, that our man TG can get back to where he was in, uh, down in Australia and Singapore, and uh, we can start seeing uh, horses and trophies like he was then. It'd be nice to see that. I, I, this will be the first week since the so-called merger. So um, this, this wasn't this hadn't happened when they played at D.C. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see the rhetoric out of Greg Norman this week. I'm I'm looking forward to this uh, live event again. It seems like forever since we played one. Golly, there's so much going on. I, I think it'll be a really interesting week to watch. Yeah, it definitely will be. And obviously we saw the Athletic uh, have the leaked PIF framework, which we didn't learn a whole lot. We still, like I said, have to follow the money in that situation. Not a whole lot to report on from that situation. The thing that shocks me, guys, I guess that I think you would probably hear from Greg Norman, the thing that doesn't make sense about the framework, fellas, is it seems like they're just trying to avoid a monopoly situation in an antitrust lawsuit because if this framework is true and this is exactly how things are going to happen, obviously, eventually, we'll find out who is actually in power. But on this framework deal, please explain to me how this makes sense. Yasser is going to invest billions of dollars into the PGA Tour, who has compared him to a terrorist for the last two years, and then he's going to give them billions of dollars and say, you guys just spend it how you want to. I'm not going to make any decisions. It doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, Sam. And just on the legal side of it, I sent this to y'all the other day, just to make this clear about it, if they somehow strike down the antitrust suit, I'm going to have a lot of questions because last week the Supreme Court ruled five to four in a decision that had to do with water rights in the uh, Navajo Nation, which is which is largely in Arizona. You know who owns the water rights in in, in that part of the country? Saudi Arabia. They voted that the Saudis can own water in our country, but they can't own a golf tour. Are you kidding me? Literally, the water is the most important damn thing that we need to survive. Another country is going to own that, and our government voted that that is okay, but yet we're going to still have all this bullshit go around that thinks that, oh, well, they might not be able to run a golf tour. Buddy. It's absolutely ludicrous. It's a complete joke. Holding golfers to a higher standard, Woody. We've seen it numerous times over this deal. Uh, you know, when we were talking about this earlier in the week or a couple of weeks ago when, when you sent out that text to us, Taylor, and my response was, you don't know what our government's going to do. And, and right now, I don't trust our government. So to think that we've said this over and over, Yasser's going to have, he's going to have a lot of control. And, and guys, I don't know about you all, but where is Jay Monahan? I mean, he had a medical situation, and we've heard nothing. Thing since then, absolutely nothing. Nothing about the medical situation. Nothing about what's going on. So I, I still don't think he'll make it as far as the commissioner. I just don't believe it. I don't know what's going to happen with Norman. Oh wow! I'm glad it's the dog days of summer, so we can just sit back and watch all this because we haven't heard the end. The final shoe hasn't dropped, as they say. But when it does drop, don't say that Yasser's not going to control this deal, and the Department of Justice, whoever they are, come on, man, you're going to 
stop all this? I just don't see it. Well, all all I will say about this, and and the main thing that I get out of this framework, and you know the possible antitrust lawsuits, is the PGA Tour better hope this deal goes through because if it doesn't, live is going to have more leverage than ever. Not only with the players, obviously, they're going to have more leverage getting players in the future if this doesn't go through, but obviously with public perception after they lied to people for so many months, like the PGA Tour, and then by the way, the whole reason why they did the deal in the first place, because of money, and the PGA Tour obviously has come out publicly and said that they were not as sustainable as Liv was. So the PGA Tour better hope that the DOJ lets this deal go through. But I was shocked when that the fact that the PGA Tour insists on telling us that they are going to remain in control when Yasser is the one investing billions of dollars. He's just going to say, yeah, you guys that talk crap on me for this last two years, you guys are going to, you know, I'm going to give you billions of dollars and just let you spend it how you want with me not having the final say. I don't believe that. And please don't insult my intelligence by trying to tell me that. That just, you know, shocks me whenever I hear stuff like that, because I know for a fact that's probably not true. I don't see Yasser selling out the live guys after all of this time, but maybe that's the case. Uh, We will find out in the future, guys. The last thing that I want to get to, fellas, is the golf, because that's all we can talk about right now, because we really don't know anything as far as the lawsuit, all of that other stuff, the the investigation with the DOJ. We'll figure out how all that stuff goes on in the future. But I want to get to the last thing about this tournament, T-Dub. That's Valderrama, one of the better courses in the world. And obviously, I laid out Sergio's prior record at Valderrama, but talk about the golf course and why this course is such a historic place and, and why guys love going to Valderrama. I think the people out there are going to love seeing Valderrama again. That's an absolute classic golf course. It was built in uh, 1974. So Robert Trent Jones designed a lot of uh, a lot of good courses in this country are, are his design. So yeah, he's one of the more famous golf architects of our time. And I mentioned some of the tournaments that it hosted before it hosted the Ryder cup back in, in 97 and it, it hosted a, a world golf championship event for two years. Tiger Woods won there. I, I can't remember if it was 99 or 2000. I think it was 99. And then uh, they've hosted the uh, open day Espana and uh, some other DP world tour events in there. But it's just the, the design of the golf course is what does it. There's so many holes to where if you are just a little bit off, you're going to have to hit not just a punch shot, but like in a, an egregiously hard punch shot. There's some dense trees there, dense rough, out of bounds lines, a decent amount of holes. So it's uh, it's extremely precision. That's why I like guys like Sergio and like, T, like, like TG. I think they have a great chance this week because you're going to have to be precise. It's not an overly bomber's paradise. Dustin Johnson, he may decide to take driver and cut a lot of corners. I don't think that's the most pertinent play. So it's going to kind of take the uh, the distance element out of it. Maybe even guys like like our friend uh, Charles Howe third. I feel like this course would suit up very well for him, or even even like a Patrick Reed, who's who's a grinder. This is a grinder type of golf course. You're not going to be able to go around this place and hit every fairway and every green. That's just not how it's going to work. You're going to put yourself out of position, and I think someone with a good short game is going to help it as well. So it's uh, kind of like we were talking about earlier, Woody. It's going to be a complete uh, different contrast between uh, what we're going to see on the PJ Tour versus Live this week. Well, the last couple of weeks we played such what we call not the greatest golf courses on the PGA Tour. They're kind of simple golf courses. 
the one thing we got to give Liv credit for is they, they pick great facilities to have their tournaments at. Their golf courses they pick are not easy. They're all hard golf courses. Valderrama falls right into that situation again where it it is just what you said, TG. It's, it's, a, it's a golf course strategically. Boy, you better strike the golf ball because if you don't, you're going to have some issues. I remember when they had the Ryder Cup there, they narrowed the fairways in a lot and grew the rough up. So it took the Bombers out of play for us. I don't I don't see the Bombers doing that good this week. I really don't. I think it's going to be the guys that can keep the ball in front of them, keep it out of those trees, keep it below the hole on a lot of these greens because these greens are severe. So, again, Lib will be the tournament to watch. If you're going to watch golf this weekend, do I want to watch the Rocket Mortgage or do I want to watch Valderrama? Well, that's a no-brainer. Valderrama. Well, you can watch time. them both this week, Woody. You can watch one in the morning and one in the afternoon. T-Dub, it's time to make our picks. Uh, I don't know how to do this in a fair way because I don't even remember how our picks went at Live DC. Mine were terrible, I think. Uh, T-Dub, just go ahead and start us off with your individual champion at Live Spain and Live Valderrama. Well, we were talking about him earlier, and it's it's a home venue. I have to go with our man Sergio. I, I really do. I feel like that this is a course not just because he knows he's from Spain, but the course sets up so well for him. It truly does. Finished twenty seventh at U.S. Open. Uh, did not finish. He had finished thirty fourth and twenty fourth at two live events before then. Since his second place in Singapore, but also at the same time, I don't really feel like Cedar Ridge and uh, Trump uh, Trump at DC really set up very well for his game. So, no, I'm going to like Sergio this week. I do like our man TG, though. Let's not forget, this is going to be his uh, his first tournament since uh, not playing in the U.S. Open, which it's, it's still an absolute crime that he was not in that tournament. So, hopefully he's been practicing. I guarantee he's motivated to come out and play good. So, I wouldn't be shocked if TG has a good week, Woody. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go, go with Sergio since I had the first pick. Sergio being the obvious pick right there, T-Dub, I think that that's a really – Safe, solid pick. I really think that TG is going to play well this week, but I feel like Patrick Reed, this might be a course tailor-made for Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed, this year in Adelaide, he finished third. In Orlando, he finished fourth. In Tulsa, he finished 12th. Um, you know, he's played some solid golf, but hasn't really contended to win a live event. Uh, we saw him at the U.S. Open. He made the cut, but didn't make any noise. He did finish tied for fourth at the Masters. So I think it's time for Patrick Reed on a course that seems like it should suit his game uh, to make a little noise this week. Uh, we lost connection with Woody, so Woody is going to text in his picks here. Uh, he is going with Cam Smith, who is the analytical favorite Cam Smith with an 8.6% chance to win the golf tournament, 71.3% chance to finish top 20. Cam Smith, as far as Liv finishes this year, he finished second in Tulsa. He finished sixth in the first event in Mayakoba. He finished fourth in Adelaide, seventh in Singapore, 11th in D.C., finished ninth in the PGA, fourth in the U.S. Open, uh, and 34th in the Masters. Cam Smith playing some solid golf. Time for him to win on live as well. Woody's team is going to be Cam Smith's team. Team Ripper. Ripper is the Australian team. Woody is going with the Australian team this week. T-Dub, as far as my team this week, 
I'm going with the four aces. If I'm going Patrick Reed, I'm not hedging my bets this week. Give me Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Peter Uline, and Pat Perez in the four aces this week in Spain. So both you and Woody are going with the same player on the same team. Very bold bet there. They've definitely got all your eggs in the basket. Hopefully the basket ends up being a good, solid basket. I'm going to go ahead and go with the team who we saw win up in Tulsa and then finish second at D.C. They seem to be getting their game together. Give me Team Stinger, the South African team. You got Brandon Grace, who's played uh, good his last two little events in his top three. And those you have uh, Louis Oosthuizen, you have uh, Charles Schwartz, and you also have Dean Burmester as well. So that's uh, that's the team I'm going to go with, Sam. The uh, South Africans, they've been on a little bit of a streak, with the exception of Singapore, where they finished 10th. They haven't finished worse than 4th in any live event, so kind of just been a little bit under the radar the Stinger has. But uh, they're, they're starting to come about, so go ahead and give me them. Probably would have went with the four aces, Sam, if you hadn't picked them. So uh, I'll just take what's next best, and that's the Stinger. Wow, this might be the first week where no one took the range goats. Uh, that We might regret that at the end of the week. A team that's definitely going to be playing with some motivation this week. Harold Varner still playing some solid golf. Uh, Bubba Watson after a little bit of the break that he's had. And then obviously Taylor Gooch in that mix as well as far as guys that will be motivated for Live Spain. T-Dub, any final thoughts on what we've talked about? Did we miss anything today? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure, as always, I'm sure something slipped through the cracks. We mentioned the uh, the kind of the framework that came out of out of the uh, the PGA Tour Live merger. At least that's what they have now. Once again, not many things that have, have we learned from that. Really, I think probably the biggest thing I learned is that they said that the the estimated amount that the Saudis want to invest is about two to three billion. Which also goes back to the the point that you've been saying, Sam. If you're going to give three billion dollars, you really think someone else is going to have control of what you give? I mean, give me an absolute break. So, but but for the actual golf. I've been saying this really since the start of the year, and I'm going to say it. This has been the, the most anticipated live event for me that I've won all year because I think Valderrama is one of the best courses in the world. So I'm extremely excited to watch it. And it's really good that with the timing of it, we're going to be able to watch live in the morning and then the Rocket Mortgage in the afternoon because as much as I would, if I had to take the two tournaments, I'd probably rather watch the live. But the Rocket Mortgage has a, a great field. At I'm at, we, you tell it earlier, I'm surprised by the amount of players that are playing and want to see if those the, the JTs, the Max Homas of the world, can uh, start earning a little bit more cred for the Ryder Cup or even a Tony Finau as well. And then what will be the biggest shock, Sam, is if my one-and-done pick, Ricky Fowler, does get it done. I don't think there's a chance in hell that it happens, but uh, hopefully it does. I'm the ultimate hedge-my-bet situation at this point. (laughs) No doubt about it. We will be back on Sunday morning for the 73rd Hole Radio Show live on the Sports Animal 98.1 FM in the Oklahoma City area. We'll probably be on air right when Live Spain is finishing up because it's going to be in the morning and then we'll be previewing the last round of the Rocket Mortgage. So definitely tune into that if you're in the Oklahoma City area. Like I said, hit that subscribe button. It will give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode and follow us on social media. I'm at Sam Humphreys 34 TW, give your social media. Uh, Twitter is T underscore Williams 101. Instagram is T Williams underscore 10. And then, obviously, our 73rd Hole Twitter and Instagram account on Twitter. It's the 73rd Hole, and Instagram is 73rd Hole. We'll be back on Sunday. Everyone, enjoy the golf this weekend. This has been Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, and Jim Woodward on Oklahoma's leader in golf, the 73rd Hole Podcast. <laughs>